Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com, join the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Can't make it any simpler. We also have the T Public Store link, the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. Parley Points blog section, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? 123,000. Sounds about right to me. I don't question it. That's why you go click, follow, subscribe, drop a five-star review. All of that helps the brand out, and we can't thank you enough, and we make it so easy for you to listen to the ODPH wherever you're at in the world. The music section, If trust me, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show, we have to recap the weekend that was... In the NFL, mm-hmm. it's playoff time. It's getting very tense. There's only so many teams left now as we go into divisional weekend mm-hmm. and or conference weekend. I should conference say. weekend now, yes. yeah, because it just feels like the Super Bowl is here. Almost, it's it's just there. Like that intensity is there. Teams are really showing who's going to rise to the top, and if they want to get to that big game you know they got to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. And this weekend definitely showed who was some pretenders and who might actually be some contenders of the divisional round. So, Pad, let's talk about it, shall we? Yeah, so we're going to be going in order of the games as they were played. So the first one that was played on Saturday was between the Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-20. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 22-30, of 30, 195 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, 24-39 for 217 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Travis Etienne Jr. led Jacksonville in rushing, 10 carries, 62 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Isaiah Pacheo uh, led Kansas City in rushing with 12 carries, 95 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Travis Kelsey led Kansas City in receiving with 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, And then Zay Jones led Jacksonville in rushing with five catches, 83 yards, zero touchdowns. Also of note, Christian Kirk, seven catches, 52 yards, and one touchdown. Well, this game definitely showed what Kansas City was made of. At one point, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. Mm -hmm. High ankle sprain. Looked like a very bad ankle injury. And he is still listed to be playing this coming weekend. Oh, yeah. But we'll have to see what kind of mobility he has. But in the same breath, you have to give credit to Chad Henney. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to say that, obviously, when you're thinking a backup quarterback. But he has been such a veteran in filling in when they need him to with Mahomes that Kansas City never had a drop-off here. Well, we got people got to remember whatever year it was. It was a couple years ago where Mahomes left the game. Mm -hmm. And Chad Henney stepped in. Chad Henney helped them win that game and, and lock it down. Yes. It's something that goes very under the radar of how valuable a backup quarterback is. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, they're on the sidelines, they're holding a clipboard, you can say what you will, but when it's game time and you need them to fill in for whatever reason, 
if they're not fully prepared, you can have a major hiccup. And this is a situation where Jacksonville could have taken over, but they didn't because Henny is so versed in that offense now that they didn't really have a fall off. I mean, sure, does he have the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. But he kept the drive alive. He moved the chains, and that's what you need to do. And getting a touchdown helps matters tremendously. Oh, absolutely. So on the flip side, Jacksonville, I think, really understood the gravity of the situation they were mm-hmm. in. I think that for as much as we'd like to pick on them a lot, they showed that they're a team on the rise. Oh, yeah, quickly. We weren't expecting them to get here this fast. No. But they did with Trevor Lawrence finally emerging into the direction we thought he'd be going in. I'm not ready to crown him that he's there yet, but this is the first season I've seen this kid play since Mm -hmm. he left college that I go, okay, I can see why there's a little bit of hype around him. Mm -hmm. And he finally had some here. He did keep keep Jacksonville in this game, his own team. But Kansas City is just too seasoned in the playoffs. Yeah, they've been there way too many times. That he was going to fight an uphill battle. He was never going to win especially when they had to try coming back from behind. Sure, you can do that to the Chargers all day because the Chargers are not built for the playoffs. I'm sorry. Nope. I know I'm going to hear a lot of angry Charger fans chiming in about this. Prove me wrong. Your team is not built for primetime. You're built for the matinee. Jacksonville took full advantage of that, Mm -hmm. and they got further than I think they were expecting. But this is all for confidence building moving forward. Yeah, no, it totally is. Like, we expected them to be there in a couple years, but not, you know, necessarily there this quickly. No, absolutely not. And they almost pulled it off again with a little cardiac kids action, so to speak. Yeah. Albeit, though, I did not understand why the one receiver that was trying to make the play down late when they're in the red zone Mm -hmm. was trying to fight for extra yards. I mean, it's, I think it's just instinct. You see a lot of players do it when, like, they've got three, four guys around them trying to bring them down, and they're still like, dig and dig and dig. Like, you're not going anywhere. No, you're not. And that's the whole point. Like, you should just have been let go and just go down. You're not in a panic situation at that time that you need to drastically score. Mm-hmm. You had momentum swinging your way. Lawrence was moving the ball. This was a situation that they will learn from, and they will bounce back. Yeah, They're going to be a tough team next year with just maybe some help in the free agency market, I think. I would say so, yeah. They're not that far away for being a good team overall. No. no. Like, I think they lucked into a lot of wins. I mean, obviously, the 9-8 and eight record says a lot. Oh, yeah. But it's nothing I'm ready to crown them with. I think they, they took a very noteworthy leap forward, but they're not there yet in comparison to the Kansas Cities, the Buffaloes, right. the Cincinnati's. Right. They're still a year or so away, in my opinion, but they're on the right direction. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, Kansas City goes back to their fifth straight AFC Conference yeah. Championship Since, game. Since uh, 2019, I think. It is an insane stat to think about, but for what they built down in Kansas City, love them or hate them, you have to give them that respect. And especially this season, we thought that they would have an extreme fall off without Tyreek Hill. You would think, yeah. But this team shifted their offensive focus a little bit. A little bit. Isaiah Pacheo has stepped up that he is – Going to cause a little bit of running back controversy next season, I think, when we start talking about depth charts. Probably, yeah. That he made them a a very well-balanced offense. And as long as Travis Kelsey is still producing at a high level, you don't have too much to worry about. No. Because other than Tyreek Hill having a breakout game here and there, they shifted that offense so much that the role players 
are stepping up and contributing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a wide receiver core by committee. Yeah. But they're still making it happen. It's something very admirable about the Kansas City organization. Oh, yeah. Is it enough to win two more games, though, Pat? Uh, it's enough to probably win at least one more, maybe. You know, that all depends on the health of uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and how mobile he is, you know, because if he's severely limited in his mobility, I'm going to tend to lean the other way, you mm-hmm. know. But in terms of if they're able to do it and get to the Super Bowl, boy, I don't know. That, that you know, whoever it ends up being on that other side of the ball, it's either like, if it ends up, you know, spoiler alert, if it ends up being San Francisco, well, a not-so-mobile Patrick Mahomes is just freaking appetizers for that San Francisco defense. Mm-hmm. And if it happens to be Philly, there ain't no way in hell that, that Kansas City defense can contain Jalen Hurts in that offense. I don't care how good their defensive coordinator is. No, Spagnola has been good, but I don't think he's had the talent that he's had in years past. No. And especially, here's a key stat that people forget. Kansas City not playing at Arrowhead Stadium is a completely different team. Yep. They are not the same when they have to travel. This happens at the Super Bowl, especially if they have to go there. Now, sure, can a team come into Kansas City's home stadium and beat them? Absolutely. It's very tough, and in my opinion, they have a little more lucky calls fall their way. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But if Kansas City is going to do it, they're going to have a little uphill battle going into next week. And then all bets are off if they get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But there was another game that went on Saturday night that we definitely have to recap. I mean, can you even call this a game? Well, I think this definitely answered a lot of questions we had. I know for me, I got a lot to say, and I know I have to run it back for what I said last week. Because I honestly thought the Giants were going to step up in the moment. Mm-hmm. Going statistically and going by the numbers, mm-hmm. it is very, very hard to beat a division rival three times in a season. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give. You figure somebody would learn something. Obviously, the Giants were coming off that huge win against Minnesota. Philly came in ready to punch them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And boy, did they ever. Yeah, they, they gave him a, let's call it what it is. They gave him an ass whooping. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning by the final score of 38-7. to uh, Jalen Hurts, 16-24 and for 154 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Daniel Jones, uh, 15-27, 135 yards passing, no touchdowns, just one interception. Saquon Barkley, uh, nine carries, 61 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell uh, led Philly in rushing with 12 carries, 112 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Devontae Smith led uh, Philly in receiving with six catches, 61 yards, one touchdown. Uh, And then Richie James led the Giants in receiving with seven catches, 51 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, the big takeaways here, Philly understood the situation. Mm-hmm. They came in ready to make a statement. They absolutely did. Oh, yeah. Jalen Hurts is ready for prime time. Sure, 154 yards is not exactly headline material, mm-hmm. but they jumped out early. They did not let up. 28 unanswered mm-hmm. to start the game. Absolutely. And that running game. When you have two running backs both near 100 yards, one over one just shy of it, yeah, that's huge. 268 yards on the ground. That is absolutely wild to think about in the playoffs. That's a nightmare to game plan for. Sure. In the regular season, this happens. So I'm not going to say we've never seen this before. 
But when you're in the playoffs, you're supposed to be the elite of the elite. You're supposed to be that high-level team. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be close games, back-and-forth battles. The Giants came in and got exposed. Yeah. And I hate saying this. I know we have a lot of Giants listeners, but let's be honest. You guys played with a lot of house money this year. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dabble, I will give credit, got this team a lot further than I think anybody else would have. Yeah. But this team is far from being there. Yeah. They're 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 showing some signs, but there's some obvious work that needs done. Absolutely. Between the front office and Dabble this coming off season, they need to make a lot of changes. And one of which I think you have to have a real hard look at Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has not had the benefit of a great offensive line. Nope. He has not had the benefit of a great wide, re- wide receiver core. Nope. He's had Saquon Barkley, who finally. The, finally was healthy. And figured his shit out. Yeah. Which Dabble, I mean, the one thing I will say about him is he does know how to utilize running backs. Sure. He's done this his entire time. Has he had a successful one as Barkley? Debatable. I know if I go through his entire coaching staff or history, I'm sure I'll find somebody. Maybe. But in recent memory, Dabble made magic happen with Barkley. Mm -hmm. And this is something that can he re-sign him in the offseason? I wouldn't. You wouldn't sign Barkley back? Or, oh, Barkley. No, Barkley I would. Yeah. Well, I thought you were talking Daniel Jones. No, though. Daniel Jones. I See, that's the question you have to ask. Daniel Jones, you would have to figure, is going to get at least a one-year deal from New York. Is it going to be high-end? No. But if they don't get him, who do you go get? Derek Carr? I mean, the, Maybe. the quarterback pickings are very slim. There'll be a king's ransom for Lamar Jackson if you try getting him out of Baltimore. I don't, right. I don't think they can. Tom Brady is not the answer. No. At this stage of his career. No. So you got to think who else is out there if you're not going to try signing Daniel Jones. Now, could you try going in the draft and finding a Brock Purdy? Oh, absolutely. You can. That's a one in a million shot, though. Right. Because you're not going to be picking that high in the draft. But then again, how many quarterbacks have panned out when they've been first round picks? True. That's one thing that we have to realize as fans. Sure, they can have all the physical attributes in the world, and you can be defeating all the D2 and D3 schools on the weekends <laughs> until you get to the playoffs and face real competition. But it's a whole different ball game when you get to the pro level. Mm-hmm. Some people can't handle that for whatever reason. Some do, and they become yeah. legends. This is a situation the Giants really need to evaluate with him moving forward. I think they throw him a low end one year deal though, Maybe. just just to just to band aid it. Maybe I mean at this point though, this is his fourth year. You know what you're going to get with the guy. Oh, you know, absolutely. He, he hasn't improved in four years. And listen, it's nothing against the kid, but he went to Duke. You know, mm-hmm. Duke basketball, whole different story. Oh, absolutely. Duke football, not really known for producing megastars. You know, or, or you know franchise caliber position players that are known for being the, one of the greatest at their position. Like, am I expecting this guy to be like some kind of weird concoction of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and then like Terry Bradshaw? No, but at this point, four years in, you know, am I expecting him to do leaps and bounds better? Yes. You know, and, and has he improved? Yes. And, and maybe that's him finally improving. Maybe it's just a product of the system being something more favorable to him and something he's used to. I don't know. 
You know, but I to me, you know what you're going to get with the kid. Is he a serviceable quarterback? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is he the quarterback that will lead you to, you know, the promised land, will lead you over that hump and over the hill to the Super Bowl? No. No, I definitely don't think he's the guy either. And I think that's something the Giants are really going to have to evaluate. They're going to have to take a look at a lot of these players. Because the other thing, too, I look at this as, like you said, he's, you know, he's never had a solid, healthy running back. He finally did with Barkley, and Barkley had some flashes this year. And and you mentioned, you know, he's never had a good receiving core around him. Listen, you can take the greatest wide receivers of all time and put them around Daniel Jones, and I don't know if it'll help that much. They have to do something. I mean, they do have a couple diamonds in the rough on this roster. Hodgkins is one. That, sure. I th- that I thought, Isaiah Hodgkin. But then again, at the same point, one reception, three yards in this game. Two targets. Yeah. It's something that is just not clicking with this team mm-hmm. yet. And I think they just got to get rid of a lot of dead cap space. They got to just start making some moves, upgrading a lot, because you now know there's two other teams in your division alone oh, yeah. that you're going to have to contend with. That's, that's where you have to benchmark your team. Are you as good as Dallas? Well, hell no. No. And you're definitely not as good as Philly. Because Philly made a statement against you. Well, and especially look at Washington. You get an owner in there who actually gives a shit and is willing to spend money. Look the fuck out. Well, that's the whole thing. They have to get somebody in there that knows football. Because let's face it, Daniel Snyder does not give a fuck. No. And all signs point that he will not be owning the team come next season. Probably not. Arguably. Like I said, we don't know nothing official. But if we have to make a locks and leaps guess. We're just reading the tea leaves. Yeah. And Washington can instantly upgrade depending on who they get in there. Because at the end of the day, you need somebody in there that understands football operations. The Giants have that in place now. So it will be interesting to see how they match up next year. But in the meantime, this is all Philly. Mm -hmm. This really wasn't a game. This showed where the Giants ranked. That's the only take home from this game. Mm-hmm. Philly looked incredible. They looked like the number one seed, and rightfully so. Oh, yeah. Now going into the conference championship, I think they're going to be really tested. Oh, yeah. More than they have been all season. Oh, yeah. And that is going to be the heavyweight boxing match of the weekend. That is going to be the true test of who is going to go to the Super Bowl and, in my opinion, win the whole thing. Uh, my opinion, too, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm pulling it up now. I think that's the early game, which to me is a fucking travesty. Yeah, it is. It's the early game. Right, because it's in Philly, East right. Coast time. Uh, yeah, well, the other one's in uh, Midwest time, so it ain't much different. It's not much different, but I believe that that's where they were going with, with that. Yeah. It's a little di- more disadvantage to the 49ers, which, which we'll get into next segment. But at the same time... You're one of the four best teams in the NFL left. You're going to need to make another big statement with this game. Mm -hmm. And for Philadelphia, you're now going to face a team which is much improved, more so than anybody else was thinking. Yeah, boy. And you're going to have a defense that hits hard, plays nasty, Uh and is not going to be afraid to pressure you all game, going basically in a mirror image of your team. Yeah. And you can say what you will about Brock Purdy versus Jalen Hurts, but this team is really going to have a lot to contend with with the 49ers coming in. Mm-hmm. Sure, Purdy is in that discussion for surprise player of the year. I don't think we can say maybe, MVP. No, but it maybe even rookie of the year. Yeah, you have to definitely consider that. And Jalen Hurts, as great of a season as he's had, and I'm truly happy to see him get his sure, due. Sure, sure. For all the stuff that he's had to go through since coming into the league, he has won over the Philly 
town. Which is hard to do. He's won over the fan base. He has definitely solidified himself as an elite quarterback. And he is in the MVP conversation. Because I think if you take him out of this team, they don't click. Oh, God, no. And there is a steep drop-off. So now it depends if he can have that big game. Because if he defeats the 49ers, I like Philly to win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But that's a big, big if, which we'll talk about next segment. In the meantime, though, we had two games we got to discuss. So we're going to get a quick break in before we do. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the divisional round games this week? How did your team do? Were they even in the playoffs? And what do you think about the last team standing? Who you got going into the conference finals next week? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for more NFL talk on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Two games up, two games down. Let's get into it, Pat. Yes, yeah, so we're going to talk about the games that took place on Sunday, uh, and the first of which was between the Cincinnati Bengals, who defeated the Buffalo Bills by the final score of 27-10. to uh, Joe Burrow, 23 of 36, for 242 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen, 25 of 42, 265 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Josh Allen, the leading uh, rusher for Buffalo, with eight carries, 26 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then Jamar Chase led Cincinnati in receiving with five catches, 61 yards, one touchdown. And then Dawson Knox led Buffalo in receiving with five catches, 65 yards, and no touchdowns. Pad, you might want to hit him with the sounder for this one. Uh, the thoughts, views, and opinions are that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. Get your popcorn. So let's talk about this. I'm not going to shy away from it. I saw the second half of this game because I was unfortunately working during this. Mm -hmm. And I saw enough on the replays to catch up and get a very, very vivid picture of what happened here. Buffalo overlooked Cincinnati completely. Okay. And what I felt they did is they were banking on just going right through them and going to that game, which they had it at a neutral site. Tickets were already on sale. Tickets have been sold. Yep. And the fact that the NFL did that was an egregious move and so disrespectful to Cincinnati. That just gave them more ammunition to go in there and more fuel to a fire that they already had. For how, unfortunately, with the DeMar Hamlin situation, all the playoff seating was restructured. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they were not getting a fair treatment in that. Obviously, a tragic situation, which 
came out the best possible situation. Mm-hmm. DeMar was at the game, yep. went into the locker room. So, listen, we're all happy the way it played out. It did. Yes. He's healthy. He's on the road to recovery. That is what matters concerning that. But for Cincinnati, when it got back to business for the NFL, they felt very slighted. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree with how they felt when it came to business about this. Reportedly, they were not too thrilled about not being included in the whole neutral site thing, despite the fact they were right freaking there. I mean, I'm looking at the standings for the AFC Conference. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs finished 14-3. and The Buffalo Bills finished 13-3. and And the Cincinnati Bengals finished 12-4. and this, now, this ain't a case of like, oh, Kansas City's 14 and 3, Buffalo's 13 and 3. Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals finished, you know, 9 and 8. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're right fucking there. Yeah. Because the minute Hamlin was cleared and he was safe and on the road to recovery, things shifted back to business. Yep. And that's the big takeaway in this moment when they got on the field. Cincinnati had a huge chip on their shoulder. They're All lucky right. they got past Baltimore, division rival, and we always talk about that. They came in there ready to prove to the NFL, the Bills, the Chiefs, and anybody else who doubted them that they were the premier team in the league, period. Joe Burrow came in there ready to prove to everybody he should be in that elite quarterback conversation if he's Mm -hmm. not already. I remember hearing online that people thought that he was at mid-level at best. Fuck no. I've heard this. Not agreeing with this one point, and you can go through the archives. We have never said he is mid-level. Joe Burrow is that dude. Exactly. He is that fuel to this team. The only thing that I had in question about the Bengals for this game and their entire season was that offensive line. Sure. They played the best game they possibly could have in this game. One sack. Yep. I can't see like dropbacks, knockdowns, whatever else, but in terms of just getting sacked, one. Joe Burrow had all the time in the world to pick apart a Buffalo defense that never got out of first gear. Mm -hmm. They were lazy. They played with no emotion, no heart. They just went through the motions, and when they got punched in the mouth 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, they never got it back in gear. Right. And one thing that we've said on this podcast all season is their run defense is hot garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've even gone so far as to say, hey, want to beat the Bills? Run to the right. Yep. Which, what were the, remind me, what were the Bengals doing for most of the game? Running to the right. Yep. They had the blueprint. Miami set them up for it. Then Miami proved they could do it with, if we're going to compare running backs, a lesser talented running back than Joe Mixon. Sure. So Mixon was having a field day, and you can say bad weather, you can say whatever you want. The Bills gassed out early, and since Von Miller wasn't there, They've been really lacking somebody to get that fire going for that team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the Von Miller thing both last week and the, this week really hurt him. Yeah, and I will be the first one to say because I know I was not a fan of that signing. Sure. I never realized how much of an impact he made oh, just yeah. being a presence. Oh, yeah. Not saying on the field, but just in a presence because I didn't see anybody step up. I saw Milano try doing what he could, Uh huh. but when Cincinnati started focusing on double-teaming him, who else is stepping up and playing? I noticed it more this week because I was able to catch more of the end of the game in like those crucial moments. But like the last week against Miami, I wasn't able to. I wasn't near a TV, so I wasn't able to watch. But I was listening to the uh, NFL on Sirius uh, broadcast, which had like I think it was like Ian Eagle or something like that. And they brought up during that game 
They're like, oh, you know, especially towards those late game situations where like Buffalo is trying to get pressure on Skylar Thompson, but just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, none of those other guys on that front line for Buffalo's defense are of a Von Miller level. Right. And that's where they're saying this is where Buffalo misses Von Miller. And this is what they brought him in for is these situations. And they just couldn't get pressure on Skylar Thompson. Now, obviously, Skylar Thompson screwed it up himself. And so did the Miami offense. But had Von Miller been there, whole different story. And it would not have been that close. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Von Miller was there. D- whole different ballgame. Now, it's going to say we're going to have a W, but a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Because everybody else in that defense, especially in the secondary, and I'm going to even call out Tredavious White, had one of the worst games I think I've seen on record. Mm-hmm. More pass interference calls. And they were blatant. Like, you can't make any argument except maybe one. Sure. Because there was contact by both him and the receiver he was covering. But otherwise, he had his arms wrapped around him running down the field in the route. Mm-hmm. They're going to call that every time. Oh, yeah. So you were getting burnt. And then you had no help over from Poyer. And I understand that one collision, God awful. Yeah, at towards, the end there. towards the end. Yeah, which, oh, that just sounded horrific when I saw them hit helmet to helmet. It just showed how to, out of sync they were. And now you're sitting there going, okay, this is supposed to be the number two ranked defense in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Where? Yeah. Where were they? Lazy tackling. They couldn't make a stop when they needed to, and they gassed out early. Somebody somebody today pointed out to me when I was talking about this game that watching this game, you wouldn't think the Buffalo Bills are the ones who are supposed to be used to these conditions because it, it started snowing like crazy mm-hmm. right before game time, and it was inclement weather the whole game. You know, you wouldn't, what somebody was telling me, you wouldn't know that Buffalo was the team that, like, is supposed to be used to this. That, like, oh, they live there. They deal with this. They're used to it. Well, no big deal. That, like, they look like the team from, like, a warm weather state or from down south that comes north this time of year. And they're just like, holy fuck, it's cold. And they're, like, jackets and space heaters and all this other stuff. And they're just freezing their ass off. That, like, Buffalo more resembled that team. Yeah, they look shell-shocked. They looked absolutely lost out there. Their defense played atrocious, and listen, I'm not going to take anything away from that offense either. they got to get some blame on this one. The Bills lacked a really good offensive line, Mm -hmm. and this came back to haunt them in the worst way when your leading rusher is Josh Allen with 26 yards. I've been saying it for a while, Mm -hmm. and I know, you know, but we got their final stats for the season, but I believe they only cracked 100 yards in a rusher once this year, and that was Devin Singletary. Week 16 against the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Buffalo needs a better running game. That's nothing against Devin Singletary. That's nothing against James Cook. They're just not that dude. You you either need someone dynamic and someone that is, you know, explosive, you know, maybe like an Ezekiel Elliott type, you know, explosive kind of run around, or you need a guy that can just run through the middle of the field, punch you in the mouth, and, and run through the heart of that defense. Buffalo ain't got that. The other thing they need... They need another wide receiver to complement Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Because Diggs, fantastic player. We all know that. We have all seen the stats. We've all seen, you know, his his accolades. But I'm sorry, Gabe Davis, if that's your number two, that ain't fucking it. You know, Cole uh, however old he is, Cole Beasley, that ain't sure as shit ain't fucking it. Isaiah McKenzie? That ain't it. No, I'm not saying you need a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar, sure. or a Jamar Chase level player, but just somebody is like a one A one B, you know, or like a triple A and then like a double A type of player to complement Stefan Diggs because right now it's pretty goddamn obvious with this offense what the fuck you're gonna do because you had a total of 19 carries for the game. 
And then for uh, for passes, you had a total of four, uh, 40 targets. You had 42 uh, attempts from Josh Allen, but pretty goddamn obvious what this offense is going to do. And it's pretty goddamn obvious most times who they're going to be looking to first. Mm-hmm. Diggs. Well, that's the whole point that Diggs was showing his frustration at the end of the game, which I know people were addressing, <laughs> and I'm going to just put it like this. If you have been following this team since he arrived in Buffalo, he has taken every playoff loss to heart, as he should as a competitor. There is always that iconic photo of him standing on the sidelines in Kansas yeah. City watching him celebrate when they were blown out, you know, and they really knew what they had to do in the offseason. This is how he is, and I'm sure that his frustration was coming for not getting the ball because Cincinnati did a great job putting pressure on Josh, getting to him that it was making him th- throw awful, which I will talk about in a second. And he wasn't open enough. And then you had your role players of Davis and Knox, and they were really not existent. I don't care that Knox got 65 yards. Right. He really wasn't existent until the end when the game was already pretty much out of reach. Cincinnati was letting them get down the field a little bit. And I don't want to say they were toying with them, but at, mm. one, at one point it was just like they knew if they if they put four in the box and let them go. Right. That – they had no no issues about their secondary. And Cincinnati doesn't have a great secondary. No. Their defense is okay. Yeah. Good. Do I think it's elite? Absolutely not. No, it's pretty, it's pretty serviceable, though. Exactly. They got the job done because of the schemes they were in, and all you needed to do was shut down Stephon Diggs yeah. and try making somebody beat you. And Josh was trying to get him the ball, sure. Did it always happen? No. Ten targets? targets yeah, and only what, four catches. Yeah. So it's not to say they weren't trying to get him the ball. But you needed somebody else to step up. Why did we bring Colt Beasley back if he's not going to be the guy running in the middle of the field? Four targets, three catches, 33 yards. Exactly. And Gabe Davis, I understand the experiment was to see if he was going to be the number two. He's had flashes, but then again, he's always been more of a three than a two. Uh, For the season, 48 catches, 836 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, average 17.4 yards per catch. Uh, That, to me, does not say number two uh, level stats. No. But I understand why they were trying to do that. But at the same time, he's just not there. Like, he's a great three. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being a three on a team that can score down the field at any moment. But that's the problem. When you're in those opportunities, you need to cash in. There's one ball. I understand it was contested at the end of the game that Josh got to him. Right. And he dropped. And you can say what you will about it, but it's just a fact. He dropped the ball. That was the game. Because they were not going to come back down and stop Cincinnati. And I will say, because I want to touch base about this too. Sure. For all the criticism that Josh Allen is getting about this, I don't think a lot of it is truly fair in this sense. Okay. He does not have an offensive line. He is trying to get the ball out, and I don't think that he has been right since he hurt his elbow mm, okay. mid-season. Okay. And I know, remember, we got on here and I said, sit him for a week. Sure. Take yeah. the L, yeah. worry about it later. They never did. Well, that makes me wonder, with given the injury and just the way athletes work as they get injured and they try playing through that injury, and and even we as non-athletes do this, where like something hurts and we do we figure out a way to go about our lives and our daily lives without whatever that injury is hurting. Well, mm-hmm. you twisted your ankle, you rolled your foot, you know, 
you, you bruised your elbow, you know, you bit your tongue, whatever it is. You, yeah. you try finding ways to go through about your life where like, okay, this is an everyday thing I do. I'm trying to make this not hurt. Athletes are the same way. You know, so whether it's oh, you, uh, uh, batter in baseball got took a pitch to the hand, and all of a sudden they're holding the bat differently because the way they normally hold the bat hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden their average starts going down, and they're not producing as well. And, well, why is this? Well, because they're going back to the way they're doing the different way they're holding the bat because that's what's what comfortable for them. That's what doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Josh did something similar where okay, he hurt his elbow, so the way he progresses and plays the game. Did it hurt? And he came up with a way where, like, oh, if I do this, it doesn't hurt as much, and it just stuck. Yeah, he alluded to that in one of the press conferences. And the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think he's right. I'm not giving him an excuse, but I will say he does more with that team than he probably should. Yeah. And he's doing it with a lack of a supporting cast in the sense of your offensive line has always been subpar. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I know Bills fans are kind of hearing this right now and getting really mad. But let's be honest. You can't establish a run game. You have been bailed out because Josh is that much of an athlete and wants to win. But until you can establish a run game and keep the defense honest, this is what we're going to have to look forward to every year. And that stresses out him where he's trying to do too much. He's trying to play Superman. And I understand that a lot of times he was scrambling and trying to buy for time, and he wasn't getting any. And then he wasn't getting any holes to run through. So what is he supposed to do? He did everything he physically could in this game. Oh, so, absolutely. And for anybody who's saying, I know a lot of the quote-unquote sports media was saying he's not an elite quarterback anymore, that this was such a devastating loss that he lost his stature, I think you need to pump the brakes. Because here's the thing. You remove him from this team, you keep everybody on there, what are you going to replace him with? Yeah, there's not many good options. And do you still call the Bills an elite team if he's not there? No. This offseason, they need to make some moves on that offensive line. Desperately. This should be the number one priority. Go get some people to make some holes and give him protection. Uh, I uh, And get a running back because I just crunched the numbers. Uh, in terms of the high I – mean, I'm just going off the high rusher. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't every other stat, but just in terms of the high rusher – uh, they averaged uh, 61.35 yards yeah. in the game with the high rusher. Like you need, which is atrocious for supposedly this great offense with it can score on you at any point. You need a running game. Oh. And, and, and I'm not talking you need like a Ladanian Tomlinson or Adrian Peterson or Barry Sanders no. or, or, or some guy who can just score it well from any side of the field. Like, no, you just need somebody who can establish your run game and, and get – defensive coordinators minds of oh well they're just going to throw to digs or they're just going to look at digs the entire time no get it in the defensive coordinator's mind that hey there's that dude on the other side of the ball you know in the running game that could burn us for a buck 50 200 yards Mm -hmm. that's what they need to do i agree like their running game they just need a lot of work but it has to start with the line because i think if the line got them at least more of a chance not saying Cook would emerge as that right now, but he's shown some flashes, but they need to commit to the run, and that's something they haven't done that since Dabble was there. Sure. So you can't say, oh, this is all on Ken Dorsey, and then whatever he's doing this offseason. I know he uh, applied for the Carolina head coaching job. So they might have a switch up there, but at the same time, it's not going to matter if you don't get him protection right? at all. Josh needs a line to give him time. And you need some parts here and there. 
Take a look this offseason. Take a look in the draft. There's a good wide receiver core coming out. Oh, yeah. Can you find a number two to shadow Diggs and learn the way to do this? And I like I can stress can't stress enough because I know a lot of people are criticizing and saying, oh, this is what he did in Minnesota too. He's been near the Super Bowl so much he can taste it. So he's been there, what, three times in the playoffs, three times in Buffalo, and then I want to say three or four in Minnesota, mm-hmm. if I read right. Yeah, and he understands he's playing against Father Time. Let's be honest. Every player is. You're not going to get these chances, especially when your division alone is upgrading. Uh, Diggs currently 29 years old. His birthday is in November. Mm -hmm. And how many years does he still have left on his contract? Do you Uh, have that up or no? I can pull that up. Okay. Because I know that there were some questions about, oh, well, they're going to try moving him. They're not moving him anywhere. He was venting his frustration. There's no way he wants out because, one, he signed a new deal. Him and Josh are tied together. So he is on a four-year, $96 million deal. He is in the second year of that deal. Uh, but there is, oh boy, there is a potential out after next season. Yeah. So we'll have to wait to see next season. But for right now, that's all they do need. Because if they're not going to make it over the hump now, they got to start thinking about what they're going to do. And if you're going to be the elite team, I know you have a lot of questions about who you're resigning. Edmonds and Poyer are now free agents. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Poirier's doing. I have a feeling he's gone. Maybe. I have a real feeling that he is leaving. Micah Hyde is a free agent after next season. The Bills are going to have to do some retooling, but I trust what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done with this team. I'm not worried about it, but they do need to prioritize some areas that they've let go because they rely too much on Josh's freak athletic ability. But they're going to now be sitting there watching the emergence of Joe Burrow and his Cincinnati team that is literally playing with the biggest chip on their shoulder and showing absolutely zero fear mm-hmm. of facing anybody. That's why I say the AFC Championship game between Cincinnati and KC is going to come down to Patrick Mahomes' ankle. You know, because if Patrick Mahomes is even close to 100%, it might go Kansas City. I wouldn't put it past Cincinnati, you know, to beat him because they got that chip. But if if Patrick Mahomes is not a hundred percent, Kansas City all or uh, excuse me, Cincinnati all day. I'm gonna give you a bold prediction. I don't care if he's a hundred percent. Cincinnati's winning this. Okay. I will go. I'll mark the tape right now. I'll give you my predictions after we break down the other game. Cincinnati is winning this chip. They're gonna get to the Super Bowl. Okay. I don't know if they're gonna win. I'll say that. I'm gonna reserve that, but I'll tell you the team who's gonna get there because what we saw Sunday night. Oh boy. The emergence of the 49ers should be scaring everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're Dallas, find a kicker. Holy shit. Find a kicker right now. Holy shit. That, yeah. Trade for Justin Tucker. Oy. Yeah, you, you need. Figure figure something. Is Gaskowski still available? Like, fuck. You need to find somebody because, oh, my God. I, I just cannot. I have never seen a meltdown that bad in any sport ever. No. you. <laughs> I, I don't even know where you begin. As far as that goes, but let's just get into the game. Yeah, so the game was between the San Francisco 49ers who beat the Dallas Cowboys by the final score of 19-12. to Brock Purdy, the GOAT, uh, 19 of 29 for 214 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Dak Prescott, 23 of 37, 206 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 10 carries, 26 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Elijah Mitchell led San Francisco in rushing with 14 carries, 51 yards, no touchdowns. And then for receiving, you had George Kittle lead, can, uh, 
to lead San Francisco in receiving with five catches, 95 yards, no touchdowns. And then C.D. Lamb led Dallas in receiving with 10 catches, 117 yards passing, no touchdowns. Well, the easiest way to describe this is San Francisco came in there with a mission. Uh-huh. They were playing very, very nasty as they do. They Dallas gave them all they could handle. I will say this. Yeah. Cowboys fans, you have a lot to be excited about in certain areas, but in other ones, oh boy. Oh, yeah. This was a little brutal. I thought the 49ers really wanted this, and they showed how well-balanced they were on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. And I know that we talk about their offense a lot with Christian McCaffrey coming over. That's been a game changer, more so than Brock Purdy's emergence. But what they're doing now is really saying that they are the elite team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if anybody was questioning it, anybody was doubting it, you just have to literally take a look at what they're doing when they're in possession of the ball. Defense yeah. is making plays left and right. The offense, George Kittle made one of the craziest catches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was nuts. And he has been arguably lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. With everybody that's been stepping off with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. You know, like, you have got so many weapons on this team. And Ayuk has just emerged recently. Yeah. He hasn't played like this all year. They have so many weapons on their side. They are going to be. They're 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 a nightmare. Absolutely atrocious to face because they are just going to sit there and they're going to just punch you right in the mouth so you can't feel anything. Dallas, hey. well, I think the Ezekiel Elliott era is over. Yeah, although Christ knows you need a backup just in case Tony Pollard goes down because you saw what happened in this game. Tony Pollard went down with the injury, didn't come back, and then just for whatever fucking reason, the the offensive coordinator, McCarthy, just never adjusted and kept it going the way it was supposed to go. Yeah. Made no sense. Yeah. No, that's the whole thing with McCarthy. He's... He, in my opinion, he's stuck in his ways. Yeah. He, he it's kind of like in the same sense of Leslie Frazier from the Bills. Mm. They don't like making changes. They just rely on, on the talent that they have. And like I I can't stress enough, your team is only going to get you so far. You have all the talent in the world, but if you guys can't put it together on both sides, and usually it's one side shows up more so than the other. Yeah. I thought their defense played well, but they didn't play well enough. No. And like I say, if you're going to be facing, you know, an absolute nightmare like the San Francisco 49ers, that's why I say, you know, like the atrociousness, like they're just going to give teams fits. Like there's nothing wrong with this team. This team is playing both. Oh, yeah. Damn near perfect football. Well, and I think the Cowboys offense got exposed a little bit just because what was what what was the one thing we heard all season about Dallas offense once they got rolling? Number one offense, number Mm -hmm. one offense. Oh, how great is our offense? We can score it well. And then you faced the number one defense in the NFL, and you got punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden, the, te- the team that's putting up 30 points a game can't put up half that. Yeah. They struggled. Against a third-string quarterback. Listen, all credit to Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the NFL draft, not even supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. But you got beat by a third-string quarterback. Yeah. Who was the last pick in the NFL. Yeah. Like I say, 49ers are just a bad matchup for anybody. Yeah. Like I say, I might have botched my wording about that earlier, but listen, I, I mean this 100%. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't I how they're playing right now, that defense can shut down the number 1 offense 
that that's all Dallas ha- really has too. I mean, Micah Parsons and company there are a very solid squad. Yeah. yeah. But if you're letting this team run on you at will, mm-hmm. and McCaffrey, like I said, has finally been healthy enough. He's making a, a true game changing, you know, factor for this team. That that California they, sunshine. They've been missing. Like I think he's just motivated to go there. But it's all not relying on him when the role players are stepping up too. Dallas only has an answer for so many people on there. Yeah. Team. Like, granted, their defense is a lot better than people give credit for, but it's not elite. No. It's getting there. It's good. There, There is certainly some good pieces on that defense. Right. But when your offense is running stagnant, and it, it, this isn't really all on Dak, too. No. I think Dak gets a lot of unfair criticism, but I think it also goes to your running game where you're still forcing Ezekiel Elliott to be your number one, and right. his best years are, are past him. Yeah. He's in that transition phase. There's nothing wrong with it. No. He's had a good run, but this is time to give it over to, to Pollard, and he needs to really step back. And if you're put in that situation where Pollard goes down, you need to step up and do things. Yeah, and you need another receiver because, I mean, listen, Dalton Schultz, nothing special as a tight end. So, you know, he had five catches, 27 yards, one touchdown on 10 targets in this game. Mm-hmm. But then they've got Noah Brown, T.Y. Hilton, you know, Cavante Turpin, like Michael Gallup. You know, Michael Gallup, no catches, no yards, targeted three times. Like, okay, C.D. Lamb is great. You know, you you clearly got your number one with, with C.D. Lamb. You need something else past that, though. Oh, absolutely. They, they need something else to spark that off, or the wide receiver core. C.D. Lamb does what he can do. Gallup has shown flashes, but he's not the, no, not the real number two. Like I say, if he's only getting targeted three times, and yet C.D. is getting targeted 13 that's a problem from from doing the perspective of your one and your two. Mm-hmm. So Dallas needs to work on this, and I don't even know how you describe that last play of the game too, where you're t- you're still technically in this, yeah, but you just have Elliott line up to snap the ball. It was shades of what the the Colts tried to do against the Patriots, where they ran that bizarre fucking play where it was the center and then their quarterback, and then everybody else lined up on either side of the field. Yeah. And the and the Patriots defense was confused for all of two seconds and went, Oh, this is easy. Let's just stack everybody how we normally do. Yeah. Like that, it, that's literally what it was. I know Pat McAfee's got a clip on YouTube explaining what the whole situation was behind that. Mm. But still that's what it reminds I saw that play and I'm like, holy shit, it's the Colts play two point Yeah. Which time and place you have a chance to win this game, or at least tie it. Yeah. You, you, you're you pulling, you know, razzle-dazzle trick plays like that. Fucking, you better be up by, like, three scores. Yeah, and that's the whole point. They never were. They they were on their heels most of this game, to be honest with you. They had no real answer for the 49ers. They hung in there, sure, 9-6 to six at half. Yeah. But they didn't really light the world on fire. I mean, that fourth quarter was all San Francisco. And if you're not going to play four full quarters, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the easiest way to describe it. But that's why Dallas is going home with a lot of questions. Jerry Jones is mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rightfully so. I'd be sick if I was paying that much money for a team that's underproducing every year because your goal every year, if you're underproducing, what I mean by this, you should be in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. With the talent they have, they need to progress further than they have. They're not doing it. Right. So whether it's McCarthy, whether it's your personnel – you got to make changes, and you need to let your football personnel do those changes. Yeah, You can't be the one coming out of the owner's booth and doing it. It's just not going to happen. As for the 49ers, oh. we now have a game of epic proportions. Yeah, we do. This is going to be the best game of the weekend. Oh, absolutely. I'm already going to go out on a limb. 
San Francisco, San Francisco twenty-seven, Philly twenty-four. Okay, gonna say, gonna call the shot right now. I think no team is playing better than Frisco right now. I understand they're they're on a big win streak. They're going into hostile territory in Philly. Philly is going to give them all they can handle. But, Philly's going to be loud. But you know what? They're mirror images of each other. Except I think San Francisco's defense is a lot nastier. A lot. So, yeah, looking at the schedule of games, as you mentioned, the first game up on Sunday uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox is the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Philly, Philadelphia Phillies, Philadelphia Eagles uh, in Philly. Uh, currently, the line is Philly by 2.5 points, and the, and the over-under is 45.5. Uh, and then your late game is the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Uh, currently, the line... Holy fuck. Currently, the line is Cincinnati by one. I, I'm telling you right now, that's nothing wrong with that. And then the over-under is 47. Uh, I'd take the over. <laughs> if I'm, if, I'm if, if you're in Vegas, take the over on that game. We give you unofficial betting advice. We do not want to hear if you lost a lot, uh, taking our, our hints on this. But I tell you what. Take the over on that game. I'd be taking the over on that game <laughs> yeah, personally, too. Uh, as for me, I listen, I it, think it's going to be real tough to beat Philly, but I think San Francisco can do it just because of how good that defense is. You know, and then you look at uh, the uh, AFC game between Cincinnati and Kansas City. I'm going to give it to Cincy. I think Cincy's real hot right now, and I think I just don't think that seven days is going to be enough for Patrick Mahomes, who's got a high ankle sprain, which, I mean, I know Mac Jones had a similar thing earlier this year, you know, and he was not right for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be as mobile as he needs to be, and I, and I think it's going to hurt Kansas City's chances. I'm just more in shock that Kansas City is a dog at home. They are right now. Right, but still. <laughs> Line subject to change. Line is definitely subject to change, but I'm going to tell you this, that that's a very favorable matchup for Cincinnati. I just like how they're playing right now, and I think that obviously there's two teams they had on their bulletin board, Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, they are. So this is the revenge tour, as Joe Burrow says, get your receipts. And they're going to have a hell of a game, too, down there. But I'd, like I say, I like Cincinnati in that. Um, I'll even say by seven. Okay. But I think it's going to be a challenge. I don't think Burrow, or I don't think Mahomes is going to be 100. I not plus I think no matter what I think Burrow still has that chip. I don't think they're going to lose focus going to Cincinnati or going to Kansas City. Right. Cincinnati is going to show up and ball out. As for the 49ers, that's crazy of a point spread to think Philly mm-hmm. at home and they're only two points. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Man, this will be some exciting football this weekend. So we'll definitely be talking about that on the socials. In the meantime, though, hit us up on the hashtag hashtag #GoToPagePod. The divisional round is set. The conference championships are lined up. Who you got? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book Book of Lies, Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies podcast. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Time to talk a little bit of wrestling. Hell yeah. So this week in the WWE... It is the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So kind of crazy to think that the flagship show that changed primetime wrestling forever 
is now 30 years mm-hmm. old. A lot of great memories going on there. A lot of highlights they're having. Yeah. A little bit of change up of the programming schedule, as they announced. Yeah. So originally they were supposed to have an acknowledgement of the tribal chief tonight, uh, and which has been switched into the trial of Sami Zayn. Uh, because it was announced last week on Raw that they were going to have this acknowledgement of the tribal chief and every generation of the bloodline would be there, to which people went, oh, was The Rock going to be there? You know, and so then when they it got changed, everyone's like, oh, it must be canceled because The Rock isn't going to be there and they're not doing The Rock versus Roman at Mania. Mm-hmm. Not the case. Uh, turns out that uh, some of the key figures in that segment would have been Rikishi, Afa, and Sika. Uh, Afa and Sika, according to reports, were not going to be able to make the trip uh, because, while well, they're 80. Mm-hmm. And then also Rikishi got sick in the last week. So basically, they were going to be some of the key folks for that segment. And once they weren't able to make it, the segment fell apart. So hence why tonight, instead, we're going to be getting a tri- the trials of Sami Zayn. Which makes more sense. I think they would have done this eventually anyway. Sure. I don't think that this was going to be something they just threw together. I think, in all honesty, after the celebration was going to happen, this would have been what we saw on Friday night. Probably. Which makes sense for the storyline purpose because now we are officially into WrestleMania season. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble in just a second. but. They have to start progressing the storyline moving forward. I know right. one of the hot button topics is is the Rock going to be there or not? I think at this point it's all but a clear cut. No, he shouldn't be. Well, it, it, I don't know. I mean, they're selling new merch on their website for, of his logo, right? But it could just be for the 30th anniversary because now people are going to be tuning in tonight. I think that with no Monday Night Football, right, it'll be a little more eyes on the prize, and especially with the 30th anniversary. And WWE, say what you will, will bring back a lot of old faces. I scheduled to appear. Ric Flair is due. Yep. Shawn Michaels, the yep. Bella Twins, Kurt Angle, probably The Undertaker. I went out John Cena Take, doing a video. Taker, Taker's there. Uh, I know Hulk Hogan's supposed to be there. Shawn Mi- uh, DX is going to be there. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to have a lot of familiar faces throughout the night, and this is what people are going to tune in for. I do know I've had some people tweet at us at ODPH Podcast asking, you know, what do we think we're going to see tonight? I think you're going to see a really fun show. I yeah. think you'll see a lot of people get teased for the Royal Rumble. I believe there's a battle royal for number 30 that's going to be taking place. Could be. Uh, I don't know if that's been announced yet or not, but what I do know is announced. You're going to have ba- Bailey taking on Becky Lynch uh, for the first time in quite a while. Uh, you're also going to have uh, Austin Theory taking on, uh, what is it, what is it, um, Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. You're also going to have the Usos taking on uh, Judgment, Judgment, Day. Judgment Day for the Raw Tag Titles. Yeah, which we have to stress, too, they are going to slowly do the separation of the tag team titles. I'd say it may or may not happen tonight, you know, but it's interesting, though, just because for as long as the Usos have held both belts, it's always been when they defend the belts, it's they're defending both belts. Yeah. But this is the first time since they've won the belts that they're defending one of the belts. So is it the case that they're going to get the belts off and get them back on Raw? Well, maybe. Or is it just, it could just be the case of like, hey, we're teasing the idea that this could happen at any point. I think they need to tease it. I don't want to see the change happen here because I, I don't think they've really built up the feud. No. And I understand that a lot of people are speculating, well, it's Raw's 30th. They got to do a surprise. I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact, to be honest with you. I think if they had a, a better storyline buildup than what they've done, right, right? And I don't care the whole Dominic Mysterio thing; you can throw it right out the window. I'm not that is not a good storyline buildup. <laughs> this is, doesn't really have that emotional impact. Like, wow! Like this might shock for a little bit, but sure. when the Usos come out with the SmackDown titles on Friday, it's not going to really matter. The, the Bloodline's still too cohesive of a unit for the ju- as good as the Judgment Day is with with Priest and Rhea and, and Finn. You know, it's too cohesive of a unit with going against the bloodline, you know, for for the belts to drop. I, because let's face it, 
Usos are going to defend the belt. Solo's going to come out at some point. I'm sure Sammy's going to come out at some point and try and interfere and help him. You, you, I feel like for the belts to get dropped, you need to get to a point where there's no help coming. Yeah, and I think that this is not going to be the night. I'm sorry, I just I don't see it happening. But I could be wrong because obviously they're going to want to do something big for tonight. You're going to see something really crazy. Try to set off the internet on a buzz. Probably. You might even see the rocket announced for the rumble. Like it's, you might see something weird like that happen. I don't, but me personally, I just, I don't think he's in. I think they have other plans going on. And I think for WWE, they really need a big win right now because obviously with Vince McMahon doing what he's doing to help the sale along, there's a lot of fans there are, you know, holding their breath going, Oh God, is he going to take over creative? Hey, for once a week went by and he didn't do anything. Right. Holy fuck. I know. It's crazy. The internet didn't know what to do with themselves. I yeah. want to see, yeah. see that momentum carry through, especially going into Saturday, because obviously we're talking Monday. Now we got to go into Saturday. And WrestleMania season, not that there was ever any doubt, but it's officially on with what is going on this Saturday. And, Pad, what is that? That is the Royal Rumble taking place this Saturday from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Yes. So if anybody is not familiar with the Royal Rumble, it is one of the most legendary matches in all of pro wrestling where you have 30 combatants at least enter via time frames where two start until they get to 30. Uh-huh. It's always a surprise, but the winners of each Royal Rumble respectively get a title shot against the champion of their choosing. Uh, well, actually, if it was Raw or SmackDown, they used to do that. But since it's unified, it's going to be against Roman Reigns. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see about that. But they will get their title shots at WrestleMania against the men's and women's champions, respectively. The other thing, too, is it does not have to be the world championship holder. It can be, as shown by Charlotte Flair a couple years ago, going against, you know, say, the NXT title. Yeah. There's a lot of ways they can go with this, but this is always a, an event that no matter where your fandom is with pro wrestling, you tune in. It's it's honestly to God my favorite pay-per-view of the year mm-hmm. just because of the unpredictability with with both the men's and women's Royal Rumble. Whether it's, oh my God, it's this person I haven't seen in so long, and holy shit, they're, they're still able to go? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be a blast, so we'll get into that. But there are some matches on this card that we definitely have to talk about. Yes, uh, so the first one is for in a singles matchup for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending her belt against Alexa Bliss. Well, this is setting up for the whole Alexa Bliss repairing with Bray Wyatt and whatever is going on there. Yep. Bianca needs a, an opponent to get to Mania. This makes perfect sense. Uh, we're going to kind of wait and see what happens here. I think Bianca retains no matter what. They're not going to make a move with her until Mania, depending on who that opponent is going to be. Now, right. we might have an idea after the Women's Royal Rumble, unless that person challenges the SmackDown champion. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. But I think for this match, it's going to be a great match. And I do like Bianca in this one. So I think it's going to be a lo- uh, Bianca winning this match. And I think, and I'll get to what I think is going to happen with Alexa later. Just remind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. And that is between Roman Reigns defending his belt against Kevin Owens. Obviously, the best storyline in all pro wrestling, the bloodline, uh, carries on a little momentum going into WrestleMania season. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens is now coming in trying to save his friend Sami Zayn from the clutches of the bloodline and really trying to talk some sense into it because Roman is kind of having a little bit of paranoia, jealousy about the rise of popularity of Sami Zayn, <laughs> which I personally love seeing. I do too. Sami Zayn has taken this role and ran further than anybody in his position would have. It's gone a lot further than I think they thought it would. Mm-hmm. And with Kevin Owens, obviously he is a main eventer. You can just plug and play him where you need to. He's very accepting of this. Uh, this is not the first time that him and Roman have faced off for the title. 
I expect this to be another great match. I do see Roman winning. I do too. But pending on what happens tonight with the trial of Sami Zayn, I don't doubt that we have a Sami Zayn run in trying to inadvertently help Kevin Owens. Well, I know, and I know, I was talking to Common Man Vince Atoli today, and he threw out, I think it's like a fun fan theory that uh, when Kevin Owens went to sign the contract, he didn't sign Kevin Owens on the contract. Ooh. That he signed Sami Zayn. That would be fun. Which I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's true. I like it. I tell you what, I will mark out like you have never seen before if he comes out wearing a mask and it's El Generico. <laughs> if that we, would be awesome. If we get that at some... El, El Generico's alive. You know, well, that's one thing. I I don't doubt seeing that happen in the Royal Rumble. That could happen. Which, I mean, anything can happen with that, but for this match purposes... I think you're going to have Kevin and Roman put on a great match, but I do see Sami Zayn doing something to interfere inadvertently, mm-hmm. trying to prove his loyalty to the tribal chief. And, Probably. You know, almost costing him the title. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Causing more friction going into Elimination Chamber. Next up is between Bray Wyatt and L taking on LA Knight in a Mountain Dew pitch black match. What the fuck is a pitch black match? We have no idea. They've yet to explain what this is or what it's about. All we're guessing is is because Pitch Black is in the name. It's marketing because Mountain Dew Pitch Black. We're guessing it's going to be a lights-out match. That's the only thing I think you can do there. And and honestly, that's not a bad idea no. for Bray's return match. We have to remember, he has just been doing vignettes since he's come back. He's had the whole Uncle Howdy evil persona. Yep. Whatever is going to happen there. Yep. Showing Which, up more on Raw than anything, I think, well, you know, messing with Alexa Bliss. Right, because I think what they're going to eventually wind up doing with this character is this character is going to be on the roster. Could be. Doing normal wrestling things. There are rumors it's Bo Dallas. Well, it would make sense because for what Braid does, and if anybody's not familiar with his work, he's one of the most creative minds in all of pro wrestling. Dude's also thinking in multiple layers. Yeah. So this is not like the end of the road this is like just the slow beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's light years ahead of where a lot of people realize. So with this match, I think it's going to show where we're going to WrestleMania. I know there's been some rumors that he would wrestle Uncle Howdy there. Mm, maybe. Which, you I, know. I think at some point, maybe not this quick. I don't think you would do this quick unless you want to get rid of the storyline. Yeah. But that's the one thing with Bray, you just don't know. But nevertheless, for a Lights Out match in LA Knight, who since he's come up to... Um, the main roster, they're finally using him to his full advantage. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Eli Drake, a.k.a. L.A. Knight, mm-hmm. he can talk on the mic. He can go in the ring. He is the total package about that. I love seeing him in this profile match. I don't think he gets the win no matter what. Right. Um. I just have no idea what this match is going to be. I hope it's a lights-out match, and I hope they just go You know, to uh, – turn it up to 10 and go from there. Like, the other thing, too, we the, the preview card I'm looking at says Bray Wyatt. We don't know who the fuck is going to show up, what version of Bray Wyatt is going to show up. Is it going to be the version we saw when he came back from Extreme Rules and just talked to the crowd? Is it going to be whatever the fuck version he's come up with now? Mm-hmm. We saw on Friday the Firefly Funhouse came back. Yeah. You know, so is it going to be the Firefly Funhouse Bray? Is it going to be the Fiend Bray? We have no fucking clue. I, you know, give me Cult Leader Bray. That's the Could best be one. Cult one. That's the best one. These other ones, like, okay, they they serve a purpose, but I'm not super excited. Next up is the Women's Royal Rumble match, where it is 30 uh, women in a Royal Rumble match for a w- Women's Championship match at WrestleMania. Uh, some of the participants, uh, the, so seven of the 30 participants have been announced as of this recording. Uh, from SmackDown, you have Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, Zelina Vega, and Emma. 
And from Monday Night Raw, Candice LeRae and Rhea Ripley have announced. Interesting lineup thus far. Uh, I do see one name that kind of stands out to me for the clear-cut winner. Okay. And that's Rhea Ripley. Okay. I think right now Rhea has just been on fire, uh, literally carrying the Judgment Day gimmick on her back. Yeah. And I think that she has been featured. If you notice how she's been presented on TV, featured a lot more. Yes. Lately. That her winning the Rumble, I think, would go very much to set up a great match with her and Bianca, mm-hmm. which we've all kind of alluded to that they were going to be the cornerstones of the women's division in WWE for many, many years to come. Because obviously they they almost have came up at the same time and have had great success since they've come to the main roster from NXT. This would be a perfect showcase for them. Right. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to go that route. Like That's the one thing with the Royal Rumble is you might have a new signee that is coming in. I yeah. don't know who's a free agent that would be debuting per se i don't know that's the one thing that you you have to just kind of speculate and, and there's so many talented people on or well, well there is one per there is one surprise entry we mm-hmm. could see that has been allegedly signed to wwe for quite some time just waiting on something from creative chelsea green chelsea i think is going to be in the rumble chelsea has now according to reports she's been signed to wwe for a couple weeks a month or so mm-hmm. but just has been waiting on something from creative this could be the spark yeah i mean they have so many talented women on contract that I don't know who they're going to bring up. They could just have anybody from the past come in. I wouldn't doubt Trish Stratus makes a run. Trish will probably make a run in, yeah, Molly Holly. You know, you could see somebody like that. I, But that's the fun of the Rumble, and you don't know two from NXT. Yeah. I think the longest shot, which barring a couple months ago, I thought was going to be even money, was Mandy Rose. No uh, no chance in hell. But I don't see that no, happening. I, just, no. I don't hell see no. that happening. But I, wouldn't, I will say this. I don't doubt Toxic Attraction. Yeah, I could I could see Gigi and uh, JC Jane, and I don't doubt Nikita Lyons. Okay, I could see it. Uh, I think you know. Listen, I think Rhea is a safe bet, but just for differences' sake, I'm going to say Alexa with a little help from Uncle Howdy. Okay, I, th- I think Uncle Howdy's going to come come in, cause some havoc, and uh, help Alexa get the win. Could definitely happen. Uh, and then the last one we have announced is the men's Royal Rumble match, where it is a 30 man Royal Rumble match for a World Championship match at WrestleMania 39. Uh, the announcements we are 15 of the 30 entrants have been announced as of this recording, and so from SmackDown, you have Kofi Kingston, Santos Escobar. Ricochet, Rey Mysterio, Gunther, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Karrion Cross. And for Monday Night Raw, you have Austin Theory, Seth freaking Rollins, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Omos, and Adrenaline in my soul, something, something, something Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. So many talented people in this match, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Boy. With that many people announced, though, it kind of leaves a little wiggle room about surprises. Yep. There is a heavy rumor, and I want to stress rumor, we will see somebody from New Japan Pro Wrestling in this year. Maybe. I don't know if it's going to be Jay White. I am fingers crossed it's Will Ospreay. Ooh. I am fingers crossed for it, but I would not doubt Jay. There's a lot of rumors about his contract. Sure. Same things with Tamatanga. Okay. So I will say this. You will see somebody from New Japan possibly in this match. Could be because I know I did read a report today that uh, AJ was in talks with New Japan to make an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, he was until his ankle got screwed up. Right. So it's not all the realm of thought. and especially there's also, there's ongoing discussions between them and uh, WWE. Right. And especially, too, with them having their big show coming in the States, I wouldn't doubt yeah. in February that I wouldn't doubt that they tried doing some cross-promotion there. Could be. I just don't know who, though. 
like I say, the safe like the safe bet is probably Jay White. Probably. Which the pop he will get at this arena if he comes out with Bullet Club. Oh my God! Like you're you're not ready yo, for it. Yo, if we get the old school like Bullet Club theme, Bullet bu- Bullet Club for life. Holy fuck! Yeah, that place would explode because oh my Lord. You, you know what? I would just love to see. Not that they need to be with him, but if he walks out with Gallus and Anderson, just for reasons. Oh, Jesus, give it to me. Yeah, but predicting a winner for this one, you want to say safe money is Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I will say this. I don't think it's going to be him. Okay. I think it's going to be Sami Zayn. Could be. I will explain this, though. Could be. We have a pay-per-view next month in Montreal. We do. And that's Elimination Chamber, if I'm not yes, mistaken? Yes, it is. So, yeah, the, the, the progress of uh, pay-per-views after this is you have NXT Vengeance Day taking place on February 4th. Uh, and then in uh, February 18th, so just a couple weeks later, in Montreal, Canada, at the Bell Center, is one Elimination Chamber. Right. I think if Sammy wins, he has his match in Montreal. Okay. And how crazy would that match be in that arena? See, I think he gets his his title opportunity there. I think whoever wins the Royal Rumble is going to challenge Roman for one of the belts. Oh, yeah. Whatever belt it is, the WWE belt, the Universal Championship, whatever it is. It doesn't matter in this case. And then... Sammy's going to, because the Elimination Chamber typically, in the, at least the last couple of years, has been, oh, whoever wins it gets a title shot of their of their choosing. And because, oh, it's unprecedented, the belts have never been unified, and yada, yada, yada. Sammy's going to win. Sammy's going to win that one. The place is going to blow off blow off the fucking hinges mm-hmm. and challenge Roman for the other belt. That could happen. I mean, that's the one thing that gets a little tricky about Give, give Sammy the little hometown rub. Well, I think he's going to get it regardless because I think that this is when... In in my gut feeling, this is when he reunites with Kevin Owens. You have the big hug in the ring. Sure. The place goes nuts. Sure. And they officially challenge the Usos for the tag team titles. Could be. And then that's where I could see them breaking off. But then again, they've been doing that weird tag team tournament on SmackDown, too. So, yeah. like, there's a lot of moving parts going on with this. Yeah. But I think ultimately that's what you get. Like, Kevin makes the save for Sammy when he gets beat down. They do the hug, and then, you know, everybody goes home happy. Because I could see Cody winning. I could, yeah. And like, I, listen, I have no problem with him winning at all. I think he's going to be in the main event of one of the nights. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how they want to do this. Yeah. They're going to have Roman do double duty and then lose both belts. But I just don't think Sammy is going to win at WrestleMania. Now, granted, it, against Roman, I want to stress that. Mm-hmm. I think he wins the tag team titles with Kevin Owens all day. Like this, That's been a moment they've always talked about. Oh, God, yeah. So I think they're going to go play to that more so than him beating Roman. I wouldn't doubt that you have Cody win the rumble and then Seth Rollins win the elimination chamber Yeah, and then have both belts get taken off and respectively Seth wins the world sure. title for raw. Cody wins SmackDown sure. or vice versa, whatever you want to do it for it. Sure. I could see that playing out more so, but that's the beauty of the Royal rumble. Oh yeah. I, but I think it's going to be, listen, if we, if we get to number 30, cause there ain't no way on fucking God's green earth Rock, if Rock is in this thing, he's going to come out at 1 through 29. Yeah. He's going to be 30. Like, bank that one. Yeah. But if we get to number 30 and it's anybody other than Rock, I think it's probably going to be Cody. But just to be different, because I know everyone's predicting Cody, Dark Horse, Gunther. I, Gunther I would, the run he's been having? I would love it. Give me a give me a Roman versus Gunther match. You give me Gunther versus Roman, I'm there. <sighs> I want to see that match in the worst possible way. 
It doesn't even have to be for a belt. I just want to see that. It chops for days. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. But that's the beauty of the Rumble. Like, there's going to be so many unique pairings going on. There's a lot of NXT talent that could come up as well, too. I don't doubt Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker, I th- probably. I yeah. think he's probably the safest yeah. bet from the men's division to come up. Maybe Cora Jade for the women's match. Cora Jade could come up for the women's match. Roxanne Perez could, but I don't know if they would have both champion and champions come up. Yeah, that's the only thing yeah. I would say. That's why I didn't really put Roxanne in there, but I wouldn't doubt her getting in there. Yeah. And then, you know what would be a great swerve, too? Because they did it for the women's division. Sure. If they had the Impact World Champion, Josh Alexander, come in. I could see if they did it. They, like you said, they did it for Mickey James last year. Yeah. We could see Mickey again. Yeah, we could see Mickey again, too. I mean, that would be something as well. And especially if she comes out with the Impact World title. They let her do it once before. Biggest moment, I think, in Royal Rumble uh, recent memory. Plus, they let her use her Impact music. They yeah. Did, they didn't use her last WWE music. And that's the one thing, too. I think Triple H, now still being the head of creative, wants to do something big with this. And, he want, and he, I, I really do think he wants to give this a big, impactful feel just because ourselves included, I think, and a lot of fans have felt the last couple of years, yeah, a little, little less than stellar. Well, I think ever since the One Edge came back. Yeah. That it's just been, yeah, I don't want to say telegraph, but kind of. Predictable. Kind of feels that way a little bit. Yeah. So I think they really want to go out with all the stops here, and I think especially tying it back to the Raw 30th anniversary of this week. They've had a lot of bad PR with the Vince situation. I think they want to write that and really put fans in a mood, getting excited for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about business sales that we have nothing to do with. We're talking about the in-ring stuff that we tune in each week to talk about. And I think they're going to be really setting the bar pretty high, and I think they're going to hit it off as well too. But we'll have to wait till Saturday to go check that out. In the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What is your thoughts about the Royal Rumble going on this week? Who you got winning the men's and women's matches? And what's your thought about Raw hitting 30? What is your favorite match or segment of Raw's 30 years? Let us know at uh, hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. Let's talk about pro wrestling, shall we? And if you want even more pro wrestling content, keep your ears out for the latest 607 TWS dropping later this week on your favorite podcast platform. We're going to be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Kind of talk a little local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League and specifically the Empire Division because that is the division our Binghamton Black Bears play in. Uh, still in second place. Although they're making some they're making some room, though. Uh, Danbury sitting in first place with a record of 22 wins, three losses, and then four losses in overtime or shootout. Binghamton right behind him, though. A uh, record of 20 wins, seven losses, and then only two losses in overtime or shootouts. Uh, looking at the their games they had this past week. Uh, they had a game on Friday, January 20th, uh, on the road playing the Erie Mammoth, where they lost by the final score of 6-5. to five. Uh, And then they came back Saturday and played the Danbury Hattricks, where they won a crucial game in overtime by the final score of 4-3. to three. Looking ahead to their games they have this coming weekend, uh, or excuse me, next weekend. They're uh, off this weekend. Uh, their next game is on, games I should say, are on Friday, January 27th at 7 o'clock Eastern. That is at home against the Danbury Hattricks. And then they are on the road Saturday, January 28th at 7 o'clock Eastern playing the Delaware Thunder. 
get more tickets, all that good stuff and information, uh, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And then we got to mention some uh, Binghamton Bombers news uh, because they are they are, have started their season uh, and looking at how they're doing in the standings. They're currently about the middle of the road. They got a record of uh, one and one. Uh, and then they got their uh, game they had a couple weeks, uh, what was it, last week. Uh, two weeks ago as we record uh, where they lost by the final score of 17 to 11 their next game is uh, to on the, in Binghamton taking on the All-Americans uh, game time at 7 o'clock Eastern uh, for more information go to PBLA.com and keeping a local minute the Binghamton Bulldogs took their first L of the season Ooh. this past week uh, according to their Facebook page quote Bulldogs outplayed in front of a sellout crowd first loss of the year Final score is Wyoming Valley Clutch, uh, number four, ranked in the ABA, 9-0, a 104 to our Binghamton Bulldogs, 11-1 now, 99. So definitely not the best showing for the Bulldogs, but fear not because as we are recording a couple hours ago, the ABA top 25 rankings were released and the Bulldogs hung on to the top spot. So once again, quoting from the Facebook page of the Binghamton Bulldogs, Bulldogs hang on to number one spot. Despite a tough loss on Saturday night, the Binghamton Bulldogs 11-1 hold on to the number one ranking in the ABA. The team still holds the national win total lead at 11 with six of those wins coming against nationally ranked opponents. So definitely want to go out and check out the Bulldogs. I know they got a home game coming up this Saturday, the 28th. So if you are interested in going to check them out against the Burlington Thoroughbreds, Make sure to swing on over to BinghamtonBulldogs.com or check them out on Facebook, which they are extremely active at. So that said, one more quick wrestling note. Uh, Unfortunately, some bad news to pass along. Um, After we got done recording, we found out that Jay Briscoe, one half of the legendary Briscoe brothers, was uh, killed in a very tragic car accident. And I'm reading a statement off of ProWrestlingTees.com. Okay. That on January 17th, quoting, uh, on January 17th, the world, uh, the wrestling world lost one of his most beloved family members when James Pugh, known professionally as Jay Briscoe, tragically lost his life in an automobile accident. A member of the Ring of Honor family from the very beginning, Jay became a multi-Ring of Honor world champion, a 13-time Ring of Honor world tag team champion, and a first ballot Ring of Honor Hall of Famer with his brother Mark. Together, the Briscoe brothers were part of the Ring of Honor Foundation, the heart and soul, and were essentially in building were essential in building the company into the most influential wrestling promotion of the last twenty years. But there's more than that. The Pew family lost a husband, a father, a brother, a son, and in an effort to honor both Jay's uh, memory as well as support those he left behind, Pro Wrestling Tees is offering this Reach for the Skies T-shirt with one hundred percent of the proceeds going to benefit the Pew family as they cope with this tragic loss. End quote. So on behalf of everybody here at the ODPH and 607 Podcast, we offer our condolences out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. Uh, absolutely gut-wrenching news here in yeah, last week. Yeah, terrible news. You know, one of the best tag team uh, wrestlers in the world certainly changed the game and influenced a lot of people. I mean, there was a Reddit thread on Squared Circle subreddit, uh, basically where fans could leave their thoughts and memories of him, but also it came kind of updates with, like, what promotions would say and then what specific wrestlers would say. And I'm not even kidding you when I say you had WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, Noah, like everything, mm-hmm. every major wrestling promotion on the planet, you know, somebody from that federation had something to say. It was like a mile long. You yeah. know, it, it really says something to how much of an impact they had on tag team wrestling. I mean, you even had, I can't remember if it was Kofi or Xavier. You had Xavier or Kofi say, like, listen, 
we know we borrowed a few things from them, but it was out of love and respect, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I know somebody pitched an idea online today. I can't, I'm not going to take credit for, it, but I know so, somebody pitched this idea. And if the powers that be are listening, run with this idea because I think it's a great idea. When you get the ROH or if you get the ROH TV show up and running, do a, a, a Jay Briscoe Memorial Tournament for a tag team titles. Yeah, much in the same way they have the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. Do one on ROH for Jay Briscoe. Yeah. We do know that AEW did film an ROH tribute show after Dynamite last week. Right. Um, according to the Wrestling Observer, the tribute will be available for free on Honor Club and YouTube when it's released. Yep. So, But we don't have any uh, timetable when that's getting done. Haven't heard anything, no. No, but absolutely heartbreaking news hearing about that. And yeah. just, you know, like I say, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his, you know, to his family yeah. and, and dealing with this terrible tragedy. Especially, especially his daughters. His daughters were in, the, were in the car with the accident. You know, they're alive but they've got a road to recovery, so thoughts and well wishes to everybody involved. Absolutely, and we'll be posting the link for the T-shirt in the liner notes of this, so you definitely want to make sure you go out and support that as well. Pad, we got one more sports story to talk about, though. Yeah, that was one we previewed last week. That was UFC 283, which took place uh, on Saturday in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I'm going to run through the main card here. Uh, In the light heavyweight division, you had Johnny Walker defeat Paul Craig via TKO at 2 minutes and 16 seconds of the first round. Well, Johnny Walker's back on the winning ways. Yeah. What else can you really say about that? Uh, light, for him. The light heavyweight division is kind of in a really state of flux, so it's not to say that he can't bounce back and get into title contention soon, yeah. but wait and see. Uh, then you had Jessica Andrade beat Lauren Murphy in a women's flyweight division matchup by unanimous decision 30-25, 30-25, and 30-26. Andrade just mauled her. Uh, the, wasn't able to watch the fight, but based on the scores, yeah, that's what it looks like. It was a mauling. Like, that's the easiest way to describe this. The pictures, if you haven't seen online, of Murphy's face after this. Oh, my God. Okay. Brutal. Uh, then in the welterweight division, you had Gilbert Burns defeat Neil Magny via arm triangle choke submission at four minutes and 15 seconds of the first round. Kind of how we thought it was going to go, to be honest, because we said it was going to be a sub. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert Burns, though, immediately after the bout, called out Colby Covington. Okay. So waiting to see about that match. I mean, I'd love to see that one. I don't know how soon they can make that happen. I think uh, there's a few situations blocking that right now. Probably. Uh, then in the co-main event of the evening, you had Brandon Moreno, <coughs> excuse me, uh, defeat Devison Figueredo uh, via doctor stoppage uh, after the third round uh, and become the unified uh, UFC flyweight champion. Well, the fight forever will continue <laughs> on forever with this one because obviously probably do- doctor stoppage. You know, it's it's fifth times the charm. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely. You know, insane to think what they're doing here. But the right call to make because that, <laughs> that eye was messed up. That eye was shut. That eye was in bad, bad shape. So uh-huh. I'm I'm not surprised that they did that. And I know the Brazilian crowd got very, very uh animated. Yeah, to put it mildly after the bout. I know that you had Moreno having to get ushered out backly because yeah. uh, Things were being thrown. Yeah, things were being thrown and just and like and I understand the crowd is very emotional about this, but still you don't want to see that ever. Nope. Like, it just it doesn't make any sense to do that. And then you have the main event where Jamal Hall-Hill defeated Glover Teixeira uh, by unanimous decision, 50-44, 50-44, and 50-44 uh, to become the new UFC light heavyweight champion. Well, not really surprised here. Father Time caught up with Glover. Glover has a legendary career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no Should doubt be. about this. But for Jamal Hill, like it's a super big win for a guy that emerged from the Contender Series and really made his, uh, you know, rose to the ranks. Yeah, can't take anything away from it, you know, moving forward with him. 
Just the question is, how soon is he facing Projaka? Like, that is the thing. Yuri came out there and, and put a very interesting social media post saying, I'll see you soon. Right. Now, to my knowledge, that shoulder is still not 100%. So I don't know what's going to go on with that. Right. I do know that there might be a couple contenders that will be floating around. I would not doubt that they try throwing in Magnov against him. Uh, but after his last performance against Bohovitz, I mean, I don't know how you do this. Like, this know. is a weird situation for 205. And that's why I said... I don't, and I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I don't doubt a Johnny Walker sneak in that conversation. Mm, mm, I, maybe I really don't. It's just it's a weird time period for that light heavyweight title. I don't know if anybody would step down from heavyweight to go try fighting at a lower class, but it's a situation that Hill is in a weird spot with no clear cut contenders. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, like you can take a look at the rankings all you want with that. I don't see anybody there that's really jumping on screaming, give him the fight. No, they'll figure something out, though. Oh, they always do. Uh, the other thing we got to note that was announced during this card was you got one of the entrants into the UFC Hall of Fame announced, and that is one Jose Aldo. Well deserved. Yeah, long, longest reigning featherweight champion in UFC history. We have to give him his credit where it is. When he came on the scene in the WEC, and then when they were subsequently bought out and converted into the UFC, Aldo was a breakout star just mowing people down. Like I remember his flying knee gave the Cub Swanson and it was one of the wildest things I've ever seen in a first round knockout ever. Mm-hmm. And then to think about what he did against Jose, or I mean, Uriah Faber. Yeah. And remember that was not a UFC pay-per-view. That was a WEC back in 2010. And that carried itself because the momentum there lived up to the hype. And Aldo was so notorious for his leg kicks. Like you can't take anything away from him. In his prime, arguably the pound-for-pound pound fight, best fighter on the planet. Oh, yeah. Arguably. Albeit, though, he ran into Conor McGregor. Yeah. And subsequently, one punch derailed everything. 13 seconds in. Yeah. And I was always surprised they never ran it back between those two. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a case of uh, Jose didn't want to run it back. It's just a matter of nailing Connor down to fucking do it. Because right. Because as we know, Connor notoriously hard to get pinned down for anything. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's the problem too. Is he wanted to move up to lightweight? The right. weight, the weight cut to get to one forty five from what he was doing was insane. Yeah. And I think that just trajectory it it proved to be too much. That like that was one of those fights like we'll never get the rematch for. Unfortunately, yeah. Unless there's like some, you know, freak show fight, God. you know, like which I don't want to see. Like no, I, I want to stress no. this like no more like the Chuck Liddell Tito Ortiz four and fives and at this Please. stage. Like no. Jose has earned his reputation. He fought I even when he went down to Bantamweight, I thought it was a was a crazy move. But he was always a guy that came in there, fought, left it all in the cage and has a legacy that we all knew was going to be a Hall of Fame career. So, yeah, I mean, just to illustrate how dominant this dude was uh, in his professional career in 39 professional matches, 31 wins, eight losses. Uh, his first ever professional loss was for a federation called Jungle Fight, and it was Jungle Fight 5, uh, where he lost via rear naked choke submission on the 26th of November, 2005. Okay, He did not lose another fight until Conor McGregor knocked him out 10 years and one month later. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's insane to think about, but he was just so dominant. There was a couple fights, though. I mean, he almost lost the belt. I'm not going to lie about that. Sure. If Korean Zombie didn't pop out his shoulder. Yeah. That's always one that haunted me because I was like, man, he might have snuck that one. He might have. 
But I also remember Aldo just coming in there and just absolutely leg kicking everybody to death. And just you see the fighters after the the next day, and their legs would be purple. Mm-hmm. Like some of the most gruesome shots. If you ever, if you ever want to go find the Uriah Faber fight, the post day and his his legs, yeah, that just kind of says it all. Oh yeah. But legendary career. Salute to him as he rides off into the sunset. And solid night of action for the UFC. Like I say, yeah. The there wasn't anything that I would say was like real gangbusters, so to right. speak. I mean, Moreno and Figueredo. That's one that's an interesting fight forever unless Figueredo moves up to 135 mm-hmm. which I think at this case one of them has to but if you got the belt it, it's tough I mean you can stay down there and just fight each other forever but you know where does that get you that's that's, that's the question and the light heavyweight title is just in flux right now so a lot of storylines coming out from there I know the UFC doesn't have an event coming on until February 5th mm. so be a little quiet to see what the headlines are but I think this is the best time to start booking some matches and we'll definitely be talking about that on Patreon when that gets released this week, weather permitting. Mm-hmm. That being said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week in sports. So for the one only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken. I'm thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Punch. I'm gonna beat him to the punch Cause I can't break